Welcome to episode 72 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is with Ryan Hansen. He is the founder of the Tara Hansen Foundation. Okay, it'll stick with me for just a second because this episode is not about type 1 diabetes, but it is about advocacy. And at the same time, during the conversation that I had with Ryan, the parallels between his story and what it's like to live with something catastrophic that at the same time is unexpected not that catastrophic things are usually expected but what it's like to have something catastrophic happen in your life see no real pathway out of it but then find that pathway out and to not just continue to live but to live well and happily I mean this is Ryan's story is as much about us as it is about him the you know the situations are different some of the words are different but in the end this is a story about getting hit square in the face with a with a shovel and picking yourself back up again and continuing to move on not just not just because you should but because you want to and not just to stay alive but to live with love and happiness so there is really no good way to say this, I guess, and, and no good way to make this sound exciting um, or fun, but it actually, it isn't sad. It's not a sad story. It's a story of perseverance. It's a story of humanity. It's a story of love. I think you're going to uh, really be interested if you stop and, and, and hang out for a minute. So this is Ryan Hansen. He's going to talk to you today about maternal mortality, which is much more prevalent in the United States than you might think. Uh, my name is Ryan Hansen. I am from New Jersey. Um, currently work at PR Newswire in Jersey City. I live in Hinton Falls, New Jersey with my uh, wife, Mary, oldest son, Brandon, and our youngest son, Dylan. I have two dogs, um, which my wife now jokes that we have a baby might be too, too many, but we do still love them very much. <laughs> Um, and that's, that's really my story. I'm an advocate for maternal health. I have a foundation that I run and I work really hard to try and educate the public on the, uh, complications of pregnancy and childbirth so that people are aware. What's the name of the foundation? The Tara Hansen Foundation. And then that's named after your first wife? Yes. My first wife, Tara Hansen, um, she had passed away due to complications after the birth of our first child, Brandon. Um, and in light of that, I ended up starting this foundation to hopefully educate expecting parents that this is something that can happen here in the United States and not just in developing nations. Yeah, and that's the first thing I thought is I, I live in New Jersey also, and and mm -hmm. you, you're you know, like I, I live on the East Coast. We think of the East Coast as being one of the hubs of healthcare, and mm -hmm. and and was your wife seemingly healthy as, during her pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was 29 years old. Um, an athlete, someone who was always very active, very in shape. She found out she was pregnant, fully embraced it, fully embraced the lifestyle that came along with it, you know, continued to stay active, stay in shape, ate really well. Um, you know, I'm really thankful she had a, a great experience, a great pregnancy, um, you know, really enjoyed it and, and took great care of herself. And, um, you know, complication-free throughout the entire pregnancy. Okay, and this is about about over five years ago, maybe? 
Yes, okay. uh, at 2011, March 2011. Okay, so you 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 go through a nine month pregnancy with with no issues and and it, everything looks like it's the way it needs to be. You, I don't know if you did you schedule uh, the first birth or did it did water break or how did you end up at the hospital? You know, we she was a week late, so we finally um, you know kept going all the appointments. Kept going kind of day by day, if, if I remember correctly, at that point. And after a week, they had said, you know, Tara, it's been a week. You're a week overdue. And, you know, that's really as far as we let it go. So we were scheduled to go in for an induction, which we did um, after that last appointment. Right. Okay. That's really something. My, my wife's water broke the night uh, before we were supposed to go for to be induced. So okay. it, was like, it was midnight. We were like packing bags and getting ready to get up in the morning and go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Hey, you know what? Um, I think we actually have to go now. So, <laughs> so, so you're having that whole sort of just like first baby experience and you know, a little, everyone's a little late the first time it seems. And, and you're on your way to the hospital, you go to the hospital, you see the doctor you're expecting to see. I imagine it wasn't, it wasn't, mm-hmm. but okay. And they, they did, did they induce terror? They ended up doing that. Yeah, yes. We went in um, the night before, got prepped, woke up early Friday morning, and um, they started the entire induction process and just kind of went from there. Um, You know, scheduled, they were expecting us, uh, everything that you could kind of expect when going into that situation. So nothing abnormal. She gives birth to Brandon pretty the way you would expect, or where did the the complications begin? Yeah, um, you know, for the most part, the delivery um, went, you know, I, I assume as planned as the doctors uh, had, had kind of looked for it to go. She delivered, um, you know, vaginally. It wasn't a C-section. And by the time we are kind of settled into postpartum, she started experiencing some issues. There were some, um, you know, feeling faint, almost fainting. And these things just kind of led to... And the best way that I put it is a general feeling of, of just malaise, um, you know, not just the tiredness and the soreness that we had kind of expected, but she just overall um, didn't feel well and knew that that wasn't what she was supposed to be feeling. You know, I can't, you know, explain it really better than just um, an overall, you know, I just don't feel myself. And this is a woman who was, you know, active and healthy, who was really in tune with her body. So how long, not knowing anything about childbirth, this being your first go round with it, at, at how long into that feeling of malaise until you say something to the doctors? Because I imagine at first you're probably just like, oh, this is, I'm tired because this is tiring. And maybe, and, but how long until you say something to them? Is it the first night, the first, the next day? Is it longer? I would say it's the next day, early the next day where it's, you know, let's, let's bring this up. Let's just say something, you know, something's not right. Um, Let's just find out. Let's let's get it on the table. See what everybody has to say, and and kind of make sure everybody knows. And how do they treat the information? Like it's to be worried about or normal? No, and that's the unfortunate thing. You know, always looking back on it is it was basically the answer we would continually get is you just had a child. Um, you should expect to to be sore, be tired, and the more we kept bringing it up the more that answer just became a Kurt, you just had a baby. You're okay. You just had a baby. So, so Tara's, um, Tara's symptoms are mirroring common occurrence, but they're not common. And, 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 ha- and so the, and everyone's just kind of happy to tell you, you just had a baby. It's okay. Let it go. 
do you ever buy into that or you, are you, do you fight against it the whole way? No, I, you know, I'm listening to Tara, um, you know, understanding that, that she's the one, um, in a situation going through it. Um, and she's telling me, um, you know, right. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, and we're thinking about other people like that, you know, we know have children not hearing the same things from them. And she's just going, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I just don't feel good. She and it's not right. Yeah. yeah. Well, when does it, I mean, I don't know what the word is. When does it take a turn then? Is she still in the hospital when, when things begin to go south or are you at home by then? Yeah. By the time we, um, you know, unfortunately we're discharged, um, sent home and, you know, now we've gone a few days with, with, you know, this issue, you know, not being detected, not being controlled, um, observed, you know, efforts to, you know, to, to, to fix it. Um, so we're home and I, I always tell people we spent about 36 hours at home, you know, as a family, you know, who's just come home from the hospital having a baby and we wake up on, I think it would be Tuesday morning, if I'm not mistaken. And Tara just says, you know, I, I got to call the doctor. Something's wrong. We have to go see the doctor. And um, at this point, same symptoms or are they getting worse? Yeah, definitely at this point, you know, getting worse, getting to the point where um, I, I would say that she's now fearful for what may have happened, you know, during this period of time, you know, that, that feeling of not feeling well has turned into, you know, full on something's wrong. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm assuming your advice and I, I talk about this all the time with my life with type one diabetes, but there's a moment when you have to trust what you're seeing in your life. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't at some point just take someone else's word for it, whether they're a doctor or not, you know, at some Mm -hmm. point you have to start kind of yelling and screaming and waving flags and sticking up for yourself. So you guys get back to the hospital. Do they take her more seriously at this point? Yeah. At this point, you know, we're readmitted. They, they send us back in and, um, you know, the, the, our healthcare team, our, our team that we'd worked with throughout the entire pregnancies, now realize that, um, you know, this situation is, it far exceeds what they had anticipated or thought, um, you know, they were faced with when we were originally there. Did they figure out what was going on at any point? At this point, it's realized that, um, Tara has an infection, um, you know, severe at this point, um, as I had said before, you know, now we've gone a handful of days with it, you know, being completely uncontrolled. Um, so, you know, we're kind of at a, uh, a point where things have become very serious. Yeah. Is there something, I mean, now with hindsight and, and knowing the full story for yourself, is there something they could have done in those first couple of days to detect what was going on? Had they not just kept telling you it's okay, you just had a baby? I, you know, I do believe so. I think there could have been better observation, better communication, um, you know, better listening to a new mother, a first time mother, a woman who is saying, you know, I don't feel well. And, you know, with the foundation, what I've been through, we stress communication. That is, we feel it's our best route to, um, you know, creating more successful outcomes and helping people. If we had the channels of communication open with our uh, healthcare providers, we really feel like the, the outcome that we got could have been different, that she would still be here. Yeah. Instead of somebody just saying, 
I, I, I mean, my assumption is, is that when you talk to the nurses and you tell them how you're feeling, when they walk out in the hallway, they just think, oh, they're first-time parents. She just had a baby for the first time. She wasn't ready for what it was going to be like. And mm-hmm. it's all just so normal. And so what it points to is that what happened to Tara is not the expectation. And so mm-hmm. because it's not the expectation, nobody's mind goes to it. But but you're saying that that there needs to be a way that people's minds go to it, even just to make sure and check a box and go, okay, you know what? This is not a problem. This This person is going to be okay at some point. We can't just assume that because most of the people who came through this floor this year didn't have any grand problems mm-hmm. when they were done. Um, well, so it, it ends up being an infection, and and it takes her in the hospital. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I said it, it, an infection becomes the issue. Is is that right? Yeah. It's clear that it's an infection, and then it is so advanced that they just can't get back in front of it again. Yeah, at that point, it, it's too far ahead, unfortunately, for, um, you know, the plan that they have. And, um, you know, it's just gone too long. So, um, you know, as we returned, we had just kind of, I guess, hit a tipping point at that at that moment. And unfortunately, it was it was too far gone Got on the wrong side of it. Yep. So so you are how 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 long are you married at this point? At this point, um, you know, Tara and I were high school sweethearts, so I always kind of add that in. Um, we had met when we were 16 and 17. Um, you know, now we're both 29, and we've been married uh, about two and a half years at that point. Wow. So you, you, you quite literally in one week went from the beginning of your family life to, to what felt like the end of your family life. Yeah, the, the emotion that comes with... Um, childbirth, meeting your first child, you know, watching your wife go through this, the, I remember an incredible sense of, of being so proud and amazed by what she had done. Um, you know, meeting my son for the first time, just completely on cloud nine and just having that pulled right out from under you, you know, and, and people say you hit rock bottom. You feel like you don't ever hit bottom in the beginning. Like it's just not going to stop feeling mm-hmm. worse today than it did Absolutely. yesterday. Yeah. Because, yep. because my imagination is taking me to you're, you're now in an incredibly difficult situation because your wife has passed away. And so you're, you're, your best friend and, and this person who you imagined you were about to start a long life with is now just gone. And at the same, on the same day, you've been given a son who I'm assuming you're feeling the responsibility immediately of raising him in a happy, healthy way. And how do you, how do you jump into parenthood and properly mourn your wife at the same time? Like, I can't imagine that those two things can exist in the same place, but how did you handle it? Yeah. And, and I don't know that, that you do at first. Um, you know, for me at this moment in my life, the only thing I have to keep my head above water is my son. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I had such a strong relationship that I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, one foot in front of the other for Brandon and my parents were with me the whole time. And at, you know, the initial stage, the initial first week or so we stayed at my house and, you know, eventually I just said to my parents, they said, you know what, my my wife and I lived in a very tiny house at the time. Um, but I said to them, let's go, let's go to your house. I, I moved in with my parents, you know, they have bedrooms, they have um, everything we could need. And I needed them because um, I felt at that moment in time, 
no matter how hard I tried, um, the safest, best thing for both my son and myself was to have that support group around me, to have people who knew what they were doing. We could all kind of lean on each other and, and would make sure that Brandon was in a healthy, um, safe environment. And the three of us felt that we could all, you know, together kind of make sure we put him first and, and took care of everyone. Can you talk about for a second, um, sort of the decision-making process that happens when a life that you expect disappears and you have to make an adjustment immediately because, you know, this podcast is normally about um, type one diabetes and it it is Mm -hmm. similar in as much as that you can be going along one day and everything is exactly the way you expect it to be. And the next day someone tells you that if you don't inject this stuff into your, your son or daughter or to yourself, you're just Mm -hmm. going to die. And, Mm -hmm. and, and then suddenly everything that you thought your life was, it isn't anymore. And, and, and how did you, I mean, did you ever fall into a depression? Yeah. Um, you know, the way that I looked at it, the way I tell people now is, you know, when Tara first passed, if it wasn't for Brandon, you know, he was what I had to live for in that moment. Um, you know, he's what led me you know, every step of the way to, to kind of protect him. Um, you know, if he wasn't there, I don't know that the situation would have ended up the same way. You know, I don't know if I would have come through it in the same way. Um, I kind of looked at it as a life or death situation. A successful day for me was Brandon was fed, clothed, you know, bathed and, and, you know, going to bed at night. And, you know, I always said, well, we're both alive. (laughs) We're both here okay, you know, we had a successful day. Um, it was as simple as that to me, but, you know, I also immediately, um, went into therapy, found someone to talk to. Um, I would say it was probably three weeks at the most after Tara passed that, you know, a very close friend said to me, this is what, you know, I really think you should do if you're up for it. I credit that with, with, you know, almost saving my life to a point because that helped so much because it's bigger than any one person or any family going through it can really comprehend. Yeah, I can, I can, you know, obviously I can't imagine, I can't put myself, but I can put myself in your shoes. I would, I would imagine that I could see myself being able to give up at any point if I, if I lost my, my wife. Like, I, I just think that it's possible that any, any, any bad day could put me in a position where I was just like, I'm going to give up now. And, and even though, and, 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 I mean, the reason we're talking about it like this is because, you know, you have another child now. You have a Dylan with your new wife, Mary. And, and, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I want people to understand that as terrible as your situation is, and obviously it doesn't, it doesn't in any way, you know, make things better, but you can move on. And, mm-hmm. and I don't wonder in that moment, right in that actual moment, living in your parents' house, did you imagine there was moving on? Did you imagine there was happiness or did you just think you were going to just trudge through this till the end? You know, at that time I'm thinking it's, it's me and Brandon from here on out, you know, I'm going to do everything for him. That'll be good enough for me. As long as I can put him in a situation to, to thrive, you know, that's all I need. Um, the idea of, of ever really putting a family back together, you know, I didn't want to. Um, and I think after you lose, a spouse, you know, you almost feel like maybe you owe it to them to always just kind of be there. Just be sad know? and remember them, right? Yeah. yeah they, you know, stay they, they can't be here to do it. Why should I, you know, be able to be happy again? But, 
um, it's a learning process and, and you really, you do, um, owe it to yourself to heal and, and kind of rebuild yourself. It's, I mean, I, I mean, beautiful seems like the wrong word, but I think it's the right word at the same time, because, you know, it, it so much of life is deciding what it is you're going to do and doing it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that's really stunning. Um, Ryan, I need to pause for a second because, sure. and I'm glad to hear that you said you had dogs because my dog who never cries is crying. Now seems like a good time to give you two web addresses that you need and a tiny bit of information. TaraHansenFoundation.com and MerkForMothers.com. Hansen is spelled H-A-N-S-E-N. So it's the TaraHansenFoundation.com and MerkForMothers.com. Please check them out. Take a look. Also, uh, I I was going to, I, I did speak to a person from Merk for Mothers and my intention was to take her interview and sort of intersperse it with Ryan's. But by the time I got done, I just thought everything she said was so interesting that I'm going to run it as a bonus episode after this. So you'll see a bonus episode called Merck for Mothers. If you are enjoying this, I suggest you download that one and listen to it next. Okay, let's get back to Ryan. Hello. Seriously, man, I have two dogs, right? One of, <laughs> yeah. them, one of them's constantly an issue. The other one uh-huh. is never an issue. The one yeah. who's never an issue is today an issue. So. <laughs> you know, I understand because we have two dogs. I had mine. Mary had hers. And my dog is nuts and hers is like perfect. So I totally get that. I, just don't, I don't get how my perfect dog all of a sudden went bonkers for no real reason. So, and it's always now. Like, you know, the rest of the day, nothing will happen. So um, yep. Yep, anyway, I hear you. I apologize. So, but, but I appreciate no you problem. being flexible. Um, I spent the entire time I was watching him walk around in the yard like, like a zombie. Not, not exactly sure what he wanted. Um, I, I spent it thinking about what you and I were just talking about. So, um, and it's a hard thing to jump in and out of, but I'm, I'm trying over and over again because I'm in a very specific situation. Like I really, I've joked in a, you know, in my personal life and in a book that I pretty much just about have ovaries. Like I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost a mom, you, you know, and, and, and because <laughs> the process of raising a child and giving it everything that it really needs on a day to day, moment to moment basis it just doesn't allow for you if you really are interested in giving that that child what it what it really wants and needs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't allow for you to ignore the the feeling part of it. You, you know what I mean? You can't just mm-hmm. you can't just be the guy that takes them to the park and then gets them home. It's like there you go. Here's a sandwich. Look at you. You, you know, like mm-hmm. I love you, yeah. kid, and rub them on the head. There's a. I, it probably was a couple years into my son's life where I recognized that my wife would be giving this this boy stuff things feelings nurturing that that isn't coming naturally to me but that I could do and mm-hmm. and and then I started to do it and then I started to realize that I don't want to just go through the motions like I want to give myself over to it but mm-hmm. it's difficult because you give away a lot of who you feel like you are as a man in a strange sense and mm-hmm. and because because we've we've all decided that being soft and nice or or whatever you want to call it that's a lady job and you know you know being the one who says hey pick yourself up don't stop that's the supposed to be the dad's job but i think mm-hmm. that's all kind of crap like i think it's everybody's job you, you know mm-hmm. like i'm not i'm not less of a man because you know because i'm the one who 
you know, who looks across the room and sees my kids talking to each other politely and nicely and, and, and actually gets a tear in his eye. I'm just happy that all this effort I'm putting into it is actually going somewhere, Absolutely. Uh, you, you know? And so have you, have you become like, I guess my question would be is you're remarried now to Mary, but how far into your process did you meet her? And did you have enough time to become that kind of hybrid dad mom thing that I'm explaining? Yeah. Um, you know, it was two years before I, I met Mary, before I kind of, um, you know, had a very close friend of mine who talked me into to venturing out, who kind of said, you know, Rye, you deserve to be happy. You know, nobody's looking for you to replace Tara because, uh, you know, you couldn't do it, but you should go out, find somebody who loves you, who loves Brandon, be happy. And, you know, during that whole time of, of taking care of him, I relied a lot on um, family, um, you know, to, to show me the way. And yeah, you grow into this person who not only does the nitty gritty taking care of assuring that everyone, as I said before, you know, is safe and clothed and fed and you learn how to parent and love and, and teach them and, and show them all these things that, um, you know, not only they, they need to do, but you want them to do, you know, you teach your kid to be, have manners and polite. And I leaned on family too, to like my mother to kind of show him that, that motherly love as well, that I, you know, felt like at the time I wasn't able to give because maybe I wasn't as warm and fuzzy as I once was. Um, but yeah, you, you evolve. I mean, parenthood, it changes you, um, I think for the better, but it changes you no matter what, you know, you could fight it all you want, but once the baby's put in your hands, you are, di you're a different person. Yeah. Yeah. You it, know, it really is. It's a transformative thing. It, it's, and it's in a split second too. you, you know, yep. it, 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 you think you're there when during the pregnancy, but that's just, I, I mean, that's you and your girlfriend who you've decided to make a commitment to like doing the mm -hmm. next weird thing in the list of weird things that you've done, you, you, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and still, as much as you can be connected to your wife after you're married, it, it, it really doesn't feel like at times until you bring a baby into the mix. And don't get me wrong, you live a full happy life and not have a baby. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But, but mm -hmm. once you bring the baby into the mix, it's not just your girlfriend who you married and your boyfriend who you married and we're all hanging out mm -hmm. together. All of a sudden, you're, there's this thing in the world that I care about more than anything and you're directly related to it too. And so am yeah. I, like I, I, I described in my book that, that there was this moment when my son was, was pretty young and my, and we were, my wife and, uh, he took a bath together and, um, and Kelly said, why don't you come take the baby from me and get him dressed and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll finish up in here and get a bath and everything and, and actually get clean and not just sit in bubbles and stuff. <laughs> and so, and so I took him, I took him into his room he was wrapped in a towel and I had him, you know, he was sitting kind of in the, like the crook of my arm and absolutely fine. And I'm looking through the closet through the 9 million baby clothes that people gave us when I was born, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out which one of these, like, you know, is pro appropriate. And I'm talking to him and everything's fine and we're all good. And he just plants one of his feet in my side and pushes back in an instant. Mm -hmm. And he does this backflip out of my arms and he's less than mm -hmm. a year old. So everything just slows down, you know, like it really is true what they say. Like I saw him falling in slow motion mm -hmm. and I began to reach for him and I realized I couldn't catch him. And with literally no soccer skills to speak of, I used my foot and swept his head around 
because he was going to land on his head. Okay. And he just sort of flopped on the ground and he was fine. And, and he starts crying and I scream for my wife and she comes Mm -hmm. running in and I know he's fine. I can see how he went down. I, I somehow just, he almost didn't fall by the way I got my leg under and moved his head around and got him sideways. And when my Mm -hmm. wife came in the room and took him and I explained what happened, I realized for the very first time in my life, Ryan, that she cared about him in a way she almost could never care about me. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like had I done something even unintentional that would have injured that kid, Mm -hmm. I don't know that our relationship ever rebounds from that. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the, that's the, to me, that's the description of what happens when you become a parent. Like you are suddenly connected to something, to someone in a way you've never have been before. And you can see how it yeah. trumps your connection in your marriage. And, and it's a, it's an interesting moment when you realize that, that, um, I used to be the boyfriend, then I was the husband. Now I'm the major domo for the kid because, <laughs> <laughs> because she would leave me at the side of the road if it meant making that kid happy. And, and you, you know, and, but it's more, I'm talking more about the connection that you have. So yeah. now you have this amazing connection with your new son but mm-hmm. you can't kind of complete the circle. And maybe that's where a lot of the the torture comes in, right? It's like all the unrecognized things or, or all the unrealized things that you thought were coming that, that are deserved to you. And then suddenly because of, you know, you, I mean, you, you must have been, I mean, how angry are you that, that, that in that moment and how hard is it to get past the anger, I guess, of being like having those things stolen from you? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is a lot of anger. You, you go in with an anticipation of building a family with the person you love, um, you know. And now I don't even really know what the experience was like for her. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like staying up in the middle of the night and trading places um, with this woman. You know, trying to put a baby to sleep, trying to figure out what's wrong. You know, laughing at somebody getting thrown up on or, you know, crying because it's been days of crankiness, you know, that's all gone. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm doing it on my own. I'm doing it with my parents. Um, but it's different as great as they are, as great as my whole extended family on every side is to help out. It's different. And especially now, you know, having met Mary, um, you know, she's a fellow widow as well. She's come through the other side, you know, like I have, and we now get to do this together. This is her first child, uh, Dylan, that we had last fall. You know, we get to look at each other in the middle of the night and go, what, you know, what are we going to do? What are we doing? Or, you know, how amazing is this? And um, having missed that makes me, you know, it makes me sad. Um, but having it now makes me all that much you know, more grateful for it that, that she and I are, are doing this together. And, and, you know, she's amazing. She's, you know, the only person in the world that could ever have talked to me into to going, uh, going for it again. And, and I'm so thankful I did because of the experience of doing it with someone, raising a child with someone is, is incredible. I would think too, Ryan, that probably the stuff that you missed out on with Brandon probably made you a better person in a way that will benefit him moving forward. So I don't, I mean, as I I could see mourning the loss of that time spent the way you wanted to spend it, but I bet you it pays you back later. You you know, yeah, Yeah, it it really is. But man, your life is, uh, is, is 
inspirational and sad at the same time. You don't usually see that. Um, and, and, and now happy. Thank you. You, you know, yeah. like, like really, like it's, it's, it's fascinating almost that, that you can have all these kind of conflicting feelings in one story, you, you, you know? Yeah. You and Mary are doing something that, that I find really, it's special. Like I'm, I'm assuming that you're here talking to me about Tara and at points I'm calling her your wife and she's, you know, you know, I don't even know. It's so funny. Like it, it, at a person our age, the idea of being widowed is so foreign to me. Like, I don't even know what the term is for, I guess, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like I'm so, I'm almost lost in the conversation, but you and Mary are, are keeping, I guess, the memories of your, of your, your spouses alive in your, in your, your life too. So I'm assuming if we're talking about Tara like this, Mary probably has an open, an open forum in your life to speak about her husband. Absolutely. You know, it's pretty amazing having, um, having both been, been through what we've, we've been through. Um, you know, our, our late spouses are very much a part of our life. We always talk about, you know, we don't, um, you know, we don't move on, but we move forward. We bring them with us, you know, their, their memories come with us, you know, our lives now are, are built on that foundation of time that we spent with them. And, and yeah, we, you know, there's times where we both miss them and we tell each other and there's times where we both laugh at a story, um, you know, that, that we had with, with, you know, one or, or the other, um, spouse and it's what makes us you know we appreciate life because of of um what we've been through and and now what we've been able to put together but yeah our our late spouses are very much a part of who we are and and where we are right now in our lives not just you know what we did in the past it's an incredible statement you're the one with the sad story and i have a tear rolling out of my right eye so um i don't you're (laughs) how are you how you're not crying and i am is just (laughs) I, don't I tell to. people, I, yeah, I, I, I cried a lot. Uh, my, <laughs> you might be out of tears, I, right? I, it's, it's possible. <laughs> so, so um, how do you, I, and I'm going to, I want to ask a couple more questions just because I find it incredibly interesting, but Brandon's now is he, how old is he? He's five years old. He's five. So he's coming into the time where in a more meaningful way, you're going to start telling him about his mother. Like, like, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that day to day, does he call Brandon or does he call, does Brandon call Mary mom? Yes, he yeah. does. And, and one of the big um, points in our life, um, and, you know, I'm so thankful for her moving into this motherly role with him because she's amazing at it. And, you know, I don't know if anybody could be as strong as her to not only step into a parenting role the way she has, you know, um, through this relationship, but after what's happened to have the strength and the courage to um, become his mom. I, I, I always look at her, inc- you know, I just find it incredible. Yeah, well, and um, I was just you know, going to say, got, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to apologize for cutting you off and then continue cutting you off. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but it, it, all of a sudden I just, I just realized that Mary loses her husband. She had a dream of having children with him too. Mm-hmm. That's gone for her, and then she steps in and has enough love in her heart to become Brandon's mother. That's yeah. again very special and giving. Like, I, I, do, yeah. do you think that this experience of losing a spouse at a younger age, do you think it puts you in a different perspective in the world? Because you are you're talking, you're speaking to me from a perspective that most people it would kind of fry their mind a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of openness and giving and understanding in your life that I don't think exists mm-hmm. for most people. Um, do you think it's the, it, it's the experience that 
that gives you that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for as, you know, an, an open, happy person as I thought I was before, um, you know, I look at my life incredibly different now. Um, and Mary has that same view, you know, you're thankful for every day you have, you know, even more so than, than you thought you were before. Um, you know, you get up, you can do anything you want, you know, cause you're here and, and we kind of look at it, look at it that way. And, and our choice to, um, can, you know, build our family by, by getting married. And, you know, one of the things for Brandon that, um, really solidified Mary as his mom was when we got married, we both gave Mary a ring. He did, I did. And, you know, we said, you know, we're getting married to this woman, you and I together. And from that moment on, from that day, from February 28th, um, 2015, he called her mom. That was it for him. Like that was good in his, in his head and his heart. And we've kind of gone on from there and, you know, but Mary and I definitely have a, a, a very distinct appreciation for life at this point. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, this is going to seem like it comes out of left field, Ryan, but yesterday morning, um, my wife had, my wife had business in the city, um, last night. So she had to travel late in the day. So she worked from home during the day so that she could travel at night. And so she was in the house, not she normally isn't. And, Mm -hmm. um, she's working in the kitchen and I come downstairs from my shower after the kids are off from school and it's always a little weird because like I have all these house things I want to do, but once she's there, I feel like I have to be quiet. And like, so I'm sitting down putting my shoes on. I'm trying to figure out like, how am I going to have a productive day with her here getting in the way of everything? And as I'm putting my shoes on, I look up and in our living room, there's water, um, a water stain in the ceiling that was literally not there an hour before. And there's mm-hmm. water gathering in under the paint. And I'm like, Oh, I have a leak upstairs. And I went upstairs, I checked all the fixtures that I could, everything I could see was, you know, not leaking, but obviously maybe there's a pipe in the ceiling that's leaking. I come downstairs, I take a stool, I take a bucket, I take a screwdriver, Mm -hmm. I pop it through my drywall, I let it Mm -hmm. drain into the bucket, I call my insurance company, I say, hey, is this covered by my owners? It is, Mm -hmm. it's a thousand dollar deductible. I sit there for a minute going, oh, a thousand dollars, geez, you gotta be kidding me. Okay, Mm -hmm. I move on, I call a plumber, the guy comes out, And in 20 minutes, I never thought about it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. Maybe it's a little to do with age and maybe it's a little to do with experience, but it is mainly due with the fact that my daughter has an incurable lifelong disease Mm -hmm. and, and, and that I was catapulted from where I belong in the world as far as my understanding and perspective way ahead, like, like, Mm -hmm. like almost instantly. And this hole in my ceiling and the knowledge that someone's going to come in here with a saw in the next few days and cut the drywall open and rip it apart. And my house is going to be a mess. And I just, it doesn't bother me. I I don't flinch by it. It doesn't seem like an issue even. It just seems like something that needs to be done and it sucks. And I wish it wasn't happening, but it doesn't compare to the knowledge that if I were to give my daughter too much insulin tonight, when she goes to bed, her life could just end. Or Mm -hmm. that I'm, or, you know, or any of the other things that come along with having, you know, type one diabetes and, and then, so now I'm going to make this crazy statement that I usually make to people with diabetes that I'm going to make to you because I think you'll understand it. I would trade anything. I really would for my daughter not to have type one. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm supposing for you for a moment, but as happy as you are right now, I bet you if a genie popped out of a bottle, you might choose to go back to the day before Tara 
gives birth and tell the doctor she's going to have an infection and you need to fix it and just live your life from there. But since that's not possible, I'm kind of grateful for how my life went because mm-hmm. of how I see things now. I don't ever think I would have seen them this way. And, yeah. and I wonder, because my daughter's still alive and Tara's not, if you have that feeling or if you, it's not possible to have it as completely as I do because of your loss. No, I mean, um, the way that I look at things now is, is, you know, I'm here. I woke up this morning, you know, I hopefully wake up tomorrow morning, but you know, I can do, um, you know, whatever I choose to, I can choose to make my life better. I can choose to stand still and and be stagnant, but you know, as long as I have that choice, I have the opportunity to do something, you know, to enjoy myself, to better myself, my family, um, you know, everyone around me. And, and you absolutely look at life differently because, you know, if you have a problem and you can fix it, it's not necessarily a problem. And if you have a problem that you can't fix, then you kind of learn not to, to waste your, your energy on it because, well, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you, you focus on what's important, what's in front of you, um, you know, what you can do. And, and yeah, there is absolutely a different perspective on life in general when you've gone through something um, serious as illness, you know, death, things of that nature. Yeah. Right, so, Ryan, you take, all this, you take all this experience and you turn it into a foundation that, that carries your, your late wife's name. Um, and what does that foundation strive to do day to day? Our biggest thing is, is we want to educate people. We want new parents to understand that, you know, um, maternal death is a very real thing in this country, um, but it doesn't have to be. You know, we can educate people. They can be, you know, aware of what these complications, um, you know, things that they may run into, uh, what they are. They can prepare themselves. They can educate themselves. We want to be a resource to these families to say, hey, this is a great experience. Let's ensure that it, it continues that way. Um, you know, education, it's so powerful. You can't empower and embolden your voice and your message when you may need it the most if you don't you know, really know what you're talking about. And, and a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't think that's an issue here in the United States, that, that women aren't dying, but they are. So we really want to stress that there's things we can all go into childbirth knowing, into pregnancy knowing, you know, let's look out for, for our partners who are going through this and, and let's be educated so that we can make sure that there's more successful outcomes. Um, and one of the things that we're working on with the foundation is our Stop, Look, Listen initiative where, you know, we want it to be a tool for mothers and for doctors that when a woman says something, I don't feel well, it immediately takes the routine um, nature out of what's going on. We're going to stop. We are going to find out what's going on. Do you know what our, our, our mothers are taking issue with? Listen to them, you know, look at what's going on and, and change our um, whole perspective on the situation. Because you know, if we can communicate better with our doctors, we can definitely change the outcomes, um, you know, for a lot of families. Was your, was Tara's doctor a man or a woman? Um, you know what? I'd, I'd rather not get into sure, no the problem. specifics with that, but I, no, you don't need to. I, I, it just made me wonder that sometimes just socially, there are things that happen to women that are very serious that, that mm-hmm. society is very willing to just 
write off is because they're ladies and they're having their issues, you, you know, or, and, and I, mm-hmm. and I, and sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, you know, if that perspective is, is gender specific or society specific because, you know, yeah, you know I completely understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So no problem. Okay. So, wow. So what, what, what happened to Tara? Is the frequency, would it, would it surprise me if you told me the frequency of it in the U S you know, it would, and, and Dr. Agarwal can speak to it more specifically than I can. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're losing women on a daily basis, uh, even, you know, here in the United States. And, um, you know, as, as someone also from New Jersey, uh, you don't think of it. You know, we had access to health care, you know, probably above average health care because my wife was an educator. Um, and we had access to great hospitals, to hospitals, um, you know, local to us that you, you seemingly think, okay, you know, we're going to go here. This is a place that, that can take care of us. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of shocked that it's a possibility, you know, in your, in your environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, I want to, I want to finish up with you by asking you a little bit about Brandon and, uh, yeah. and what, what is he, what's he kind of growing into? What is he like? What kind of a kid is he? He's, he's amazing. He's, uh, he's five, turned five in March. We actually went to his graduation from pre-K yesterday, which was um, a trip. You know, uh, people say it's funny, you know, they graduate pre-K, but, you know, you watch your kid go up there and and sing and get their little diploma and you see how proud they are. It, it's great. He's, he's super bright. Um, you know, he's this handsome kid. He looks just like his mom. Um, he is, he's a trip and he's, he's very outgoing, personable, funny, um, curious little boy. And it, you know, it's been fantastic. And now to watch him, um, with Dylan is, is really, really cool. And, and something I'd always, always hoped for. Yeah. That's, it's really cool that he has a brother and Dylan's how old? I'm sorry. Dylan is seven months now. He was born last October. Oh my gosh, man. You're, uh, you're right in the middle of it, huh? Well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you, um, you know, wanting to highlight this cause because it really is an important cause. And, and, you know, as a parent, you know, the, the integral role mothers play, not only within the family, but within the community. So these, it's really important that um, we start doing a better job here in the, in the United States. Yeah. I mean, just not just because of, not just because of what's taken if this happens to you, but I look back and I think of all the things that I was so sure about while I was raising my my kids and staying at home mm-hmm. that every once in a while my wife would pop her head in and be like you're an idiot <laughs> you know <laughs> and 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 how much that two voices like that how valuable that is you, you, mm-hmm. you know you know what I mean like it's just it, it is a real value so so not only is it a tragedy for the women who who lose their lives giving birth but mm-hmm. for the fathers and the families and the children that are left behind, there's something taken from them. If they don't have the the good friends and the backup that you did to push you back in the world to find Mary, you know, mm-hmm. you could very well be, you know, you and Brandon could be a sitcom sitting around together in your easy chairs watching television. Yeah, absolutely. You're a strong guy, man. So thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate no, no, no. it. Good. All the best to you. You too. And all the best with your daughter. Uh, thanks so much, Ryan. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Hey, okay. Let's not forget TaraHansonFoundation.com and MerkForMothers.com. Visit them. Also, the bonus episode that's coming up right now, Merk for Mothers, uh, is is just, it's more, 
<laughs> Jeez, you know, I have such a hard time talking about this for some reason because it's such my, uh, it's in my personality to want to make it sound fun or funny or, or lighthearted or something. And it just, this seems inappropriate, but at the same time, you know, you just finished listening to Ryan. He's a, you know, he's obviously a person who's living a very happy life. Um, but I just can't bring myself to be jovial about it. And, and I guess that makes a lot of sense. But anyway, TaraHansonFoundation.com, MerkForMothers.com, the bonus episode that's coming up. Um, it's another download. You have to get it. It's not attached to this one. But I do suggest you listen to it. Like I said, in the middle of the episode, I did that interview um, with the person from Merk for Mothers with the intention of just taking small bits of what she said and putting it in here. But by the time it was finished, I thought this is really valuable for people to hear. So if you found yourself attracted to this story or the idea of understanding more about maternal mortality, I suggest you download it and give it a listen. That's pretty much it. There are links to these foundations in your show notes, and we will be back next week with a type 1 diabetes-related podcast. I hope you guys didn't mind the the detour today, but when this was uh, presented to me as an, uh, an option for an interview, it just sounded too important to pass up. So just wanted to help get the word out. Advocacy, right? Um, I hope somewhere somebody's talking about type 1 diabetes the way we're talking about maternal mortality today. All right, guys. I'll see you soon.